Hey, I want to say Merry Christmas. You guys can take a seat. Oh, man, we love this time of year. Welcome to all of our little kiddos out there. Um, I will go as fast as I can so that busy bag does not run out. Right, Mom and Dad? Woof. And uh, I just want to thank everybody who is uh, an, an invite from a friend or a family member. So we're so glad that you're here. I wanted to take just a brief moment uh, tonight to just share about that moment. I love that song we just sang because it brings us a little bit into uh, the life maybe of what Mary was experiencing that she's this mother of the Messiah who doesn't know necessarily exactly what's happening uh, or going to happen. Um, I want to start with prayer and then we'll get into it. God, we come to you and we thank you for sending your son uh, to, to, to come live amongst us as Emmanuel and that through his life and journey and ultimate purpose was to die on the cross and purchase our salvation, our freedom from sin and the death of sin. And so, God, I thank you for that moment. And today, as we celebrate that moment, God, I ask that not one person leave with, with, this, with uh, uh, just a trivial thought of this moment in Christmas, God, but a deep, deep, deep revelation, understanding about what that moment means to us today. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. I titled this message, Holy Night. It's after the song I'm going to be teaching. It's the last of our series of Christmas songs that we've been teaching. The main thing I really want everybody to walk out with in this sense, I hope, is a reconnection with the significance of that night for us today. I think when we look back and we go, okay, yeah, that, that's a cute story. But that story is more than a cute story. That story was real, and it had real significance, and it was real people. And there was a reality happening in that time that sometimes it gets lost on us so many thousands of years later. But we, I want us to just kind of get the sense of, do we know what it felt like? Do we know what they were experiencing? Do we feel the weight of that moment? It's so easy to get lost in, we know a story, we might know it very well, like the story of your grandparents and whatever their journey was from the beginning, and now you live in the wake of your grandparents' life they established for you. And so we know their story, but we don't necessarily always feel the story exactly. And so your parents will try your very best to try to connect you with that story, but they're a little bit far removed and disconnected. We do not want to ever lose that feeling that happened at this moment because it connects with us today. The only modern example I could think of on how this happens, and it's, such a, 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 it's, it's, a, it's infinitely less important than this moment, was like, is like 4th of July. 4th of July has a history, and we know that's when we became a nation. But it's funny because you fast forward now, and when you say, okay, we're celebrating 4th of July, what's the first thing you think of? Like, well, what meats am I going to get to barbecue, right? 
This is very high standards. What are the drinks that we're bringing? Uh, what parade are we going to? And definitely, do I get the day off, right? I mean, these are, this is how we speak of that tradition. And then, of course, the fireworks and the fireworks that go off past midnight into the following several days, thanks to my loving neighbors. That's what we experience with Fourth of July. But it's, it's, it's obviously just so much less significant than the birth of Christ. But there was a reality even behind that. The reality was is that those 56 people that signed that document signed it in the middle of war, that bought our independence, that freed us from the greatest superpower in the world. It was a, a, a moment when all of them, if, or sorry, all of them suffered, but half of them lost so much from their lives to their homes to their children. When we look back and we celebrate it now, we, we, we sometimes lose the, 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 what the, was the feeling that was happening there. And that's just our independence. But what about our life? What about this moment when Christ purchased our life when he arrived? What about the moment when sin was defeated that you could enter into the arms of God? This is what that moment is all about. I think sometimes when we look at Christmas, and, and, and I think we all fall prey to it, that remember, this moment that we're reading about today was very much a high-definition moment. And then it had a lot of clarity. There was a lot going on. It was a very human story and a very big experience. But yet maybe throughout all the years, it can become a little bit of a character of it. Or it can feel like it's like a cartoon version of it. But it's so much more that happened there. The reality of the birth story was real and it was serious. Now you you may or may not know this, but Mary and Joseph weren't married, but Mary's pregnant. That causes a lot of problems. You think it's like a taboo thing today? Back then it was almost literally a death sentence. So there was so much happening just within this couple. And then there's a decree from the emperor of the, essentially the world at that time to then go back to your original place, your birthplace or your lineage, and travel there and then go and report for a census. And we don't have to do that now, but this is what they had to do. And so he took his pregnant wife, who they're just operating by faith, to travel 90 miles on a donkey. Anybody done that lately, right? On the way to the hospital, when, I, when Anna was pregnant, it was like you map these routes out and you're going as fast as you can and you're like, I'm sure the police will understand when they pull me over, right? This, this was a long journey and an uncomfortable one. And not only that, it was a journey that all the thieves got word that the census was happening so everybody is ripe for thievery on the on the trail to their place so it was a dangerous travel they leave their work they travel they go to a town that has no place to stay and they're trying to find a place where they can have this child this promise god gave them they have no friends they have no family that will take them in. All they have is a cave where they keep animals. And there's a little manger, which is a feeding trough. And this is where the scene takes place. It's a very tough condition. That's the reality of that moment. To anybody who's an observer would say, like, this is God incarnate. 
This is how God decides he wants to uh, show himself. I mean, think about this. And I was thinking about this for myself. What would you imagine the God of the universe showing up like? I bet you could list a bunch of things. Well, of course, you know, he would, you know, show up and he would be very prominent and, and he would be born into a nice family, a very wealthy, prominent family. He would have a lot of power, right? We would think these things in our world, but this is not how God chose to arrive. Would you imagine that God would arrive through a very obscure, not important, very poor couple would you imagine that he would arrive them in a very unimportant town for this announcement or to be born in a cave? Would you imagine that the outcast of that day would be bringing forth the Messiah and that this, this young man whose dad was a carpenter most likely had a destiny to be a carpenter? Would you imagine that's the God incarnate? No, none of us would. But this is what I love about the Christmas story, and we can't, we can't miss it. This is how God chose to come. It's the humility in the birth is actually a very good tell to what it, what it means to encounter God, period, is in humility. It's the conditions of what we meet God. This is why God chose to show up this way, because this is where you meet him. You don't meet him in arrogance, you don't meet him in pride, and you surely won't meet him when you're good enough. And you meet him in the moment of which he arrived, which is in a very humble place. I read this in a commentary. I really liked it. It says, a humility born, talking about the birth, the humility born of need may be the prerequisite to enter into the, his new kingdom. Humility. That's where it will start. And that's where it started there. Let's look at the story here and let's feel the reality of this story. Luke 2, 28, it will be on the screens as well. In the same region, right around uh, Bethlehem, there were shepherds. Now, <laughs> shepherds were not the people you wanted to come crash your baby shower. Shepherds were not highly liked. They were scoundrels of the day. These people were not the ones you'd be proud of in a photo at your baby's birth. But they were out in the field keeping watch over the flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord had shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. Now, when we read this, we'll think, oh, well, they were in awe of that. Like, I would be in awe if God showed up. This is not the fear that this word means. The fear that this word means is they were saying, oh, so today's the day we're going to die. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Today's the day. This is our last day shepherding. Take care of my flock, John. Like, this is a bad day. And it says, and the angel of the Lord said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Listen to those words. That will be for all people, including you, you scoundrels. Verse 11, for unto you is born, unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this is the sign for you. Uh, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. They know what a manger is, but they still are intrigued. I love this next verse. And suddenly there was an angel 
uh, with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts. Okay, they appear. Now, now you have to see this phrase is how you would introduce a Roman legion. This phrase is, means that this is God's army is revealed and a heavenly host is there, but they're not there for war. They're there for something different and they say the very meaning itself. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those in whom he is pleased. Jesus is the sign of peace to us. God's army shows up singing peace because peace has arrived. And when the angels went away from, uh, from them in heaven, the shepherds came to one, uh, said to one another, well, let's go over to Bethlehem and let's see this thing that happened which the Lord had made known to us that we, uh, and they went in uh, with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger just as they had said. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that they had told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at the shepherds, uh, what the shepherds told them. Verse 19, but Mary uh, treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, and here's the beautiful response. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard first and then seen as it had been told to them. That's the reality of one piece of this story. I love it. I think this story is portrayed so many different times that we can get lost in that translation. But can you feel it? Can you feel the weight of what they're experiencing? This is... A long time coming. These are people who normally wouldn't be deserving of salvation. But yet, God shows up to them. And to this couple. And I think it's, wow, can I, can I feel the experience right now today like I did then? I would say absolutely yes. Do you want to know why I can tell you that? Because remember when you became a believer. Oh man, you had your manger moment right there. You had your moment where there was not hope, and then there was hope. You had your moment just like these shepherds. You had your moment just like everybody who encountered that day. And I think that the song that we're going to talk about does a very good job of trying to bring us back there, uh, in attempts to at least bring us back there. The song is O Holy Night. It's a message, if you want to look at the theme of it, it's a message of like this divine moment. A moment bigger than all of us. A moment that will change all of us. It is seeing. They're inviting us to see and feel and experience the arrival of salvation. Man, this is why I love these songs. These Christmas songs. And this is why I love this study we've been doing. Because these songs will bring us back. They'll remind us of a moment. I love songs. I love songs that give me, that, that are in certain places of my memory I wrote down three of my top ones, if that's okay. When I was a young basketball player, a very good athlete, and don't ask anybody else, but I'll tell you, very good. 
And I was in the locker room. I really wasn't, but I was in the locker room. And before every game, they would put on like jock jams. Do you remember jock jams? I don't get deterred by the name, okay? But it was quite a time for jocks to jam, okay? And it would get us motivated to go out and play. That was a song, when I hear it, I remember in the locker room before we go out and play. At my wedding, at our dance, Ann and I's first dance, we played the song, Can't Help Falling in Love. And that song, if I hear it, it brings me back to that moment. I remember my first worship song I actually liked. And I, I didn't like worship. I didn't like going to church at the time. But when I became a believer, I remember hearing songs like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I heard this song. And it was called Shout to the Lord. Do you remember the oldie but the goodie? And I remember being like, "Go, ooh, ooh, this is different. I think I can sing this. They bring, it brought me back to that first song I really resonated with. It felt like it was such an, a, a, a gratitude singing to God for what he has done in our life. Songs will bring us back. And in the beginning of this song, it starts with this. Now listen to this. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. So it's setting the moment. And it is in the night, the, the night of their dear Savior's birth. These two next lines stir something, I think, in me. Long lay the world in sin and error pining, meaning that the world was in a perpetual problem of sin. Until he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Favorite line in the whole song. Where my soul felt its worth. Where I was worth, you were worth God coming to this world, Jesus giving his life for you. You were worth it. And I love it so much, that line. Romans 5.8 really speaks of worth. And you can read so many Bible verses to talk about you were intricately formed in your, in, in, in your mother's womb. And God knows your frame. And, and that shows that he knows you. But you want to know a verse that tells your worth? It's Romans 5.8. But God showed his love for us that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us while you were at your worst worth. That's what Christmas is about, worth. Your soul found its worth. There was value in you, even when you maybe felt like you had no value. It goes on to say, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks the new and glorious morn. The glory of the dawn. You remember this. Bring yourself back to your salvation moment. Bring yourself back to the moment you've, you met Christ. There was darkness and then there was a dawn. I'll never forget my moment. I'll never forget it. It was right. It was sitting on my bed in the middle of the night. And I was like, okay, God, I'm done. I, I, I want what you are. I'm done with me. There was a breaking of the dawn. And so they're inviting us in to remember this. And this is what was happening in the moment, a breaking of the dawn. And this section here that we, we, we sing, but I want you to feel it when we sing it this time, is then we're invited to respond with the shepherds. So they bring us right back to what the shepherds responded to. And listen to it. Fall on your knees, this place of submission, the place where I'm in absolute awe in God 
what you are, what you, who you are, I submit. Oh, hear the angels' voices. Oh, div- oh, night divine, the night when Christ was born. Oh, night divine, oh, night divine, oh, night divine. I love this phrase because it's framing that night about what a God-ordained, a divine moment it was that changed our lives. Christmas is a beautiful time with our families, like, like uh, Jacqueline was reading up here to the kids, but there's this gift that's a divine gift to you, and we should never let it dim that view. Man, can, it, this is a, a, a call, this song is a continual awe of ultimately salvation's inauguration, the moment it would be was realized. They've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for centuries for this Messiah. And it's been realized. He's inaugurated. And here he is now. I think one of the most things, important things you can do on Christmas is revisit your salvation moment. It was the moment where hope was delivered to God's people in his promise. And he promised to deliver that to you. If you want to reconnect Christmas in a real, real way... Revisit your salvation moment, the moment you found God, or rather he found you. And you will connect to that birth story. They're intrinsically linked. This last phrase, as we get ready to wrap up, is this. It says, truly, part of the song, he taught us to love one another. So notice the progression the song is bringing us. Ah, we've been waiting. He's here. Total admiration. And now life and how we live out this gift he taught us how to love one another his law is love and his gospel is peace change shall he break for the slave for the slave is our brother and in his name all oppression shall cease Sweet hymns of joy in grateful, in grateful choir or chorus arise we. Let all within us praise his holy name. I love that phrase, right? He taught us how to love. Not only did Christ come and was born, not only did he die for our sins, the space in between is how we were taught to live out this life following Jesus and walking in his ways it brings light to desperate darkness you know what I'm talking about I could have person after person tell their story of where darkness parted and light came in their life it destroys darkness following Christ it rebuilds what's been destroyed and I think it heals what's been broken that's the hope of Christmas. That's the hope of what it means for us as believers to walk in that light. Listen to John 8, 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have light of life. The the most powerful thing is a believer who chooses to walk and follow Jesus with that light in their life. And then a little bit later in the chapter, Jesus says, actually, you know what? You're the light of the world. You're the light of the world because we follow him and the example he left with Christ's light in us and we shine in the world around us. That's what makes Christmas light up. 
I'm going to leave you with this challenge, and, and, and we'll get into our last songs. I'll put them up on the screen. The first one is this, is to connect your salvation moment with the major moment. I think that's important to do. I would love you to do that this Christmas. Connect your moment. Put yourself in those places of the, uh, of the people who are eagerly anticipating Christ. It can become just a story to us because we live in the wake of salvation. But connect that moment and you will actually feel what it felt to be then with those shepherds. It was just as real to them as it is to you. Live out your significance, the significance of his birth by walking in his ways. Christ was born as a human, as this baby, and grew, had to learn how to speak, and lived out a human life in order that we may follow and live the way Christ lived. And I would say this last one is, if you want to say thank you for the great gift you received through Christmas. It's the greatest gift in the responses to actually live out and be light of the world to Christ, through Christ. That is how you can say, thank you, God. That is how you show appreciation by just saying, this gift I will not squander. When he says that you're the light of the world, he says, don't put it under a basket. Don't reduce its light. Actually put it on a hill. Be that light. You want to say thank you? Say thank you that way. Because God is advancing his kingdom one light at a time. We're going to pray. But I want to encourage you as you ponder the gift that you have, you know what it's like when you have received a gift and over time, or you've given a gift to someone, and over time, the joy in the response of their face and how excited they were, it was the most prized possession they ever got, either one of your kids or even you yourself, and they were just overjoyed by the gift. And then a year later, where's the gift? Where is it? It's in a corner, it's in a closet, or it's in the trash. And we're like, I thought you loved that gift. And like, yeah, I know, I'm on to something. Listen, that moment when you gave your life to Christ, do not let that be the gift that goes in the corner. But it needs to be on the forefront. Why we light these candles tonight is to, to signal that I will never let this burn out in my life. This light I have is a gift. It's the greatest gift I could have ever gotten and received. And I will let it shine and I will spread that light because I am the light of the world, like Jesus says. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you. As we sing these last songs, God, and as we light our candle, God, in this moment, as we're doing both, as we're recalling the song. But we're holding on to our light, God, that we are the light that you sent into the world. And you, we were once in darkness, but now we have light. I pray that this Christmas that we do not cover that up, we do not hide it, but we prominently put it on a hill. Because the world needs to know the truth. And the world more than ever when it gets darker and darker and darker, like what those shepherds faced, there's a light, a great light, and a cracking of the dawn for many people's lives, God. And, uh, and we could 
could not even in a year or even a lifetime list all the names of people who've had that light in their life throughout history. And God, let us be those who carry it faithfully to the world around us. We love you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you guys stand with me this last song?